If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another expert episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today, I am so honored to be joined by marriage and family therapist, Liz Earnshaw. And in today's episode, we're talking a lot about intimacy, but not the kind of intimacy that probably comes to mind at first. We're not talking really about sex. Liz talks about all the different forms of intimacy there are in relationships. She really is an expert in relationships. She is the author of I Want This to Work, the book, which I know a few of you guys have messaged me about. And we really talk about this idea of how to maintain a sense of intimacy within yourself, whether you are single or in a relationship. And this especially is important when you're coming out of a relationship where you did make your partner everything, which you know, I'm guilty of this. I think all of us do this. So we talk about how to look at the void that was left by your ex and figure out ways to fill that void without having to either keep your ex in your life or having to jump into a new relationship. So we're learning all about how we take care of ourselves and how we have an intimate relationship with ourselves, which is very, very, very important because this involves trusting yourself, knowing what you like, knowing what you don't like. This will serve you in your single life and it will serve big time when you want to start dating again. We also talk about this topic of green flags, which I love. There's so much talk about red flags, which are very important. It's important to know what your red flags are within a relationship. But we talk about this concept of green flags and how the most important thing that you want to look for when you're dating is how does the person make you feel? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like you can be yourself? So I think this episode is hugely valuable. If you're someone who is struggling to find yourself and struggling to find a relationship with yourself out of when you're going through a breakup. And this is also really great for people who maybe are starting to maybe get close to thinking about dating again. Maybe you are dating again. So really what I'm saying is this episode's great for anyone that is going through a breakup. I learned a lot from Liz about this idea of intimacy and, and learning about yourself and trusting yourself. And I know you guys will too. So I am really excited to introduce you guys to this episode. Welcome, Liz, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is such an honor to have you on as an expert guest today. 
Thank you so much for having me. So I'm always so fascinated as to why people end up in the career choice that they're in, especially like in this space. Could you give us a little like journey to where you are now? Sure. Yeah. So initially I wanted to be a teacher and I went to school to be a teacher. I was terrible at managing a classroom. So I quickly realized this is not going to be my direction in life. And I did graduate. When I graduated, I was thinking like, what am I going to do? And I threw around like a million options. I truly had no clue where I wanted to be. It wasn't one of those careers where my whole life I was thinking, I want to be a therapist. I actually had never even seen a therapist before personally. And I was driving down a highway one day and there was a billboard that was advertising a marriage, family, and sex therapy program. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. I've never thought of that before, but I think I would like that. It has that, you know, ability to work with kids. It has the one-on-one situation. I wasn't good at classroom management, but maybe I could manage one other person in the room or a family. And so I, I don't know what got into me, but I went home and I applied and I like completely changed the trajectory of my life. I didn't apply anywhere else. I like quickly went and took the testing I had to take and I got in somehow, thank God. And I went into this program and I very quickly realized that is where I was supposed to be and that I loved it. I adored it. And I, at that point thought I still wanted to work with kids. And so I graduated with my concentration in family therapy. I went to new Orleans following hurricane Katrina and was working with families around like a lot of trauma and grief and loss and eventually came back to Philadelphia. And when I came back, I was still thinking about the kid thing, wanting to work with kids. I started a practice. And what I was realizing is that everyone that was coming in for family therapy, there was way much more time being spent with the parents. And that's what I was enjoying the most. I love kids, but I like kids when I'm playing with them, when they're my own or they're at a birthday party or we're coloring I didn't actually really love doing therapy with kids because we would be doing fun stuff together, but I knew that a lot of what was going to be effective was dealing with what their parents were were dealing with and how they were navigating each other and stress. And so like very slowly, my whole practice started to be divorcing couples who were bringing their kids to me to help the kid, but I was working with all the divorcing couples and I realized at that point, I actually don't want to work with family. I mean, I want to work with families in a way, but I want to work with couples because the way that we navigate relationships with other adults impacts kids. And if my passion is kids, then the way that I can make an impact is by helping adults to have better relationships with themselves and each other, even if they don't personally have kids. It's still impacting everyone around them. It's impacting their well-being. And then, you know, from that point on, that's where my entire focus has been, is helping people have better adult relationships. That's amazing. You know, it's getting to the root cause. And as a new mom, I can attest to the fact that, like, so much of my husband and I's dynamic is, like, what's impacting our child. And, like, just knowing that, like, so, like, in such a short period of time. So I can imagine that's... It's like, a. I mean, it's a big undertaking, I feel like, to work with, you know, to dedicate to working with, like, really intimate issues and, like, learn, you know, being able to to learn all of that about couples. And I know one of your specialties is in this idea of, like, intimacy within couples. And 
I just feel like intimacy is like a really misunderstood word. I'm sure you're, you know, I feel like (laughs) a lot of people just think about like sex, you know, what does intimacy mean? Yeah. So like you said, when most people hear that word, they think I'm talking about sex. So even when I'm meeting with couples and couples therapy, I'll say, how do you feel about intimacy? And they'll get like really awkward. Like, well, I mean, we have sex or I don't know. We don't really talk about that, (laughs) you know, and they'll, they'll feel kind of like uncomfortable because we have to talk about sex, which is a whole other issue. But intimacy is anything that helps you feel closer to another person. So when you have strong intimacy with another person, it means that you have a strong sense that you are close. And another piece of it that I talk about is that in some way you're special. That part really matters. And intimacy is, there's many different categories. So there's intellectual intimacy, there's sexual intimacy, there's emotional There's experiential, experiential intimacy is the stuff we do when we're having fun with somebody. There's spiritual intimacy. And then there's physical, which is separate from sex. That's like, I feel like we give each other good hugs. I feel like we cuddle, all that kind of stuff. And intimacy is something we share with usually more than one person in our life. You know, I have intimacy with my best friend. We have experiential intimacy, emotional intimacy, and intellectual intimacy, right? And I am safe with her. I feel secure in those areas and I feel special. Yeah. I know the things that we talk about are our thing. I know that we hang out, we do our activities together and that is special to us. And so it doesn't mean other people aren't involved sometimes, but I have that connection. And so when we're thinking about our partner, when people come in, what tends to be going on is that one or more of those areas of intimacy aren't doing really great in the relationship, but people are not knowing how to put their finger onto it, right? They're saying, I feel disconnected, but our sex life is great. So what could be going wrong? And then I might say something like, well, when's the last time that the two of you had an an adventure together? Or do you ever spend time cooking a new recipe at the same time? Do you have anything novel in your life? And they'll say, no, you know, I don't have any of that. And maybe that's because their experiential intimacy has kind of fallen to the wayside a little bit. That's so interesting. I've never heard all those different categories of intimacy. I do like when I've worked with therapists, like they have like like ask your partner for like a hug, like just that, like, so knowing the difference between like the physical intimacy and the sexual intimacy, I think so knowing all those different categories is really important. And, you know, specific to the listeners of this podcast, which are people who are like coming out of relationships, is there, can you talk more about like intimacy with friendships and like other, because so much, like such a big part of breakups is, having like a solid support system. And I think people don't feel like there should be an intimacy with, with friends or family or whatever that looks like. I love that question so much because when we're coming out of a relationship and there's heartbreak, obviously we can feel really lonely and we can miss some of the intimacy we had with that person. Who do I call now? You know, they were my best friend. They're who I told when I got a promotion or they're who I wanted to tell when my mom was, you know, being difficult. Like, who do I talk to now? And I think sometimes what can really help is to look at these different areas and to say, who can fulfill these in my life? And even if you're in a relationship, And this is something to think about if you're single right now, it shouldn't be one person fulfilling all of those. 
only, you know, you might find your best buddy in the world and fall in love and they might fulfill all of them some of the time, but you need to have a world of other people who you're connecting with. And so if you have these categories, what you can start to look at is, yes, I miss my ex. I miss sex or I miss the way that we share things or whatever. And like who in my life do I feel really intellectually connected to? I love that friend that I go out with on Friday nights and we talk all night long and we talk about the news and we talk about books and ideas. I love my colleagues. I feel into, you can feel intimately connected yeah. to your colleagues. I love talking to my colleagues. They they have all this brain juice that they're giving me all the time and it feels really good. I have my sister who I'm emotionally intimate with. I can cry to her about anything. And so looking at that list and starting to remind yourself of who else you can go to, it doesn't take away the pain of losing the other intimacy with another person, but it reminds you that it exists in other places. I think that our society, we place huge emphasis on romance and that's why when we talk about intimacy, we think sex because it's yeah. like, oh, you know, the only way we can be connected is with somebody that we're sexually and romantically into. But intimacy is about so much more than that. And you can find connection in, in so many other places. Yeah. And I feel like I, I do always try to remind people that of like, there's such a big void left by a breakup. And like, no one should exist with like this humongous gaping void in their lives. Like, breakups are hard, but it's extremely hard to just be like, okay, I've just lost all of these things and I'm not going to find alternative ways to get those needs met. So it is really important to like, and I've never looked, you know, heard about it through looking at it through this lens, which I think is so, is so interesting, but like, yeah, you still want to call someone on your way home from work. You still want to like, if you're like, have a little bug to go take a road trip, like have your go-to friend. Yes. To oh, go that do one's that. hard for people when they yeah. end a relationship. I work with a lot of people who break up, get divorced, whatever. And one of the hardest things is they'll be like, all of my friends are out doing this fun thing this weekend. And I would love to just drive to the countryside and go wine tasting, but I don't have anybody to do it with. And I think it can help to conceptualize it as, okay, I'm needing someone I can have experiences with. So yeah. how do I find that? I don't need to necessarily find a romantic partner. Like who in my circle? Is there a friend I haven't connected with in a while who's like down to go do things? Is there a club I could join where other people are going to be that way with me? But it helps you to really pin down what it is that you're missing if you can label it. I think that's so important. And like, I love when someone reaches out to me and it's like, do you want to go do this? Because me a lot too. of time I do, but like, I don't, like, I just don't think about it. Like, I don't want to spend the effort planning it. But if someone was like, hey, do you want to go to like Zion National Park this date? I'm like, yes, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to I do know. that. So I think people forget that. And it's like breakups are just such a good time to like both broaden and deepen your support system. It's like a great time. I've met so many great friends that that was sparked from, from a breakup. Me too. But like being able to, a lot of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> breakups. Yeah. I mean, it's like, a, you know, you're single, you can kind of do like whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. And like getting back to this idea of you were saying like in a relationship, the other person should never be like your end all be all. And, and I know you kind of talk about this, like the idea of like finding your other half, which 
you know, I think as a society, we, I think maybe push a little bit less, but I remember like when I was growing up, like that was like the whole thing. Like you got to find your other half, like your missing puzzle piece, your soulmate. (laughs) And can you like kind of share your thoughts on that? And like, maybe what are some of the repercussions we have because of that mindset? Yeah. Okay. So there's this idea that we're supposed to find this person who's going to make us whole. And I know from personal experience, I know from people I've worked with that before you meet that person, first of all, it's already put you in this like deficit space. (laughs) One day I'll be able to be me once I have my partner. So even before dating or falling in love or any of those things, the narrative that we accidentally take on from hearing this in society is my life will be good when, and even when your life is good, right? So even with people who are like, I love, you know, I'm in college and I love it. It's fun. I love my friends, but like, I really just, the day when I finally have a partner who's going to travel with me or the day when like, I have enough money because I'm partnered and, and we have enough money or You know, one day I'm going to feel more safe and secure because I'll have this other person. We really kind of play into that. And then we lead lives often when we have that message that are about searching for that other half and fantasizing about what it's going to look like when we have them. And I don't want to take fantasy away. Fantasy is important in life. It's okay to have magic. It's okay to dream. Like, a little bit of a Cinderella story in your mind isn't like the worst thing in the world. And I really think it's important that you're paying attention to how much it's influencing the choices you make. If I look back, I used to struggle with that. You know, it wasn't just, oh, I love love and I'm excited one day to have it. It was, I'm going to act certain ways right now because I think maybe I'll meet somebody at this place and I need to do this so that I attract them. So I was waiting to be like filled up by this person. Now, when we're in a relationship, it can be harmful because we start to kind of relate in terms of whether or not this person values us, wants to be with us, you know, how much time they dedicate to us. And we we start to think, well, I'm supposed to be their everything and they're supposed to be my everything. And we can lose pieces of ourselves. And in the beginning, that can be really romantic, actually. We are really excited and all of that. But if it goes on for too long, then what starts to happen is people stop having boundaries. People aren't paying attention to how each person's actually truly feeling. They stop taking each other's influence in the right way because they've enmeshed into each other. And ultimately, they get pretty resentful or distant. So they're either activated or completely deactivated within the relationship. So it's it's better to think, I'm already me, and I would love a partner one day. The reasons I would love a partner is because this is how it would expand my life not this is how it's going to make my life, you know? So a partner is going to expand my life because it's really fun to have adventures with another person and to be able to see the world through another person's eyes. It's very different than I can't have adventures until I have a partner. And that's just like a silly example, but those are kinds of the ways that that it impacts. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, in my own life, 
anecdotal. I used to have this thing when I was, I think when I was like late teenager, I like wanted to be 30 so bad, like the movie 13 going on 30. Like that was me. Like I was like, my life is going to be so great when I turn 30, like I'm going to be married. And like, you know, and my life looked very different when I turned 30 than I was expecting, but it was just this like really funny fantasy that I had. And I just know that when I made my top priority to have a relationship, like that was like the utmost priority was like, need to be in a relationship. It was pretty startling, like how much I allowed myself to lose and like behaviors that I allowed within a relationship. Because when you make your like utmost priority is like, I just need to be in a relationship, not I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel safe. I want to like all the other benefits that come from relationships. I just feel like I don't know. Do you feel like when you notice like when people have prioritized being in a relationship, they often end up in relationships that like don't really serve them? Yeah, I think so. I think also like there's a difference between prioritizing wanting to be not prioritizing, but like wanting a relationship and prioritizing the way that you're starting to navigate life so that you're ready for a relationship. Like that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Being like one day I really want to be in a relationship. And what I know about myself is that I struggle with X, Y, and Z. I'm going to work on those things so that I can be in that relationship I want to be in. I'm going to work on expressing myself better. So when I go on dates, da, 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 da. But when the the priority is relationship and that's it, it's not like about anything other than I need to be in a relationship, then your whole life is focused on that. And what you're going to do, because that is such like a, a deep desire and need is you're going to settle for the first person that makes you believe that you could have a relationship with them. And you're going to settle for people that you allow yourself to fantasize about more than to look at reality with, because you are in some ways living in a fantasy world. You're living in a world where the fantasy is a partner is going to make my life better. And so whoever comes through the door, there's going to be a part of the fantasy. And so even if they're jerk or not nice, or emotionally unavailable or whatever, it doesn't matter because you're just going to fit them into your fantasy that already exists. When I'm 30, my life is going to be so happy. And when they're 30, they'll be the man I've always wanted them to be. Instead of, I want to be in a relationship one day. So I'm going to really focus on me and how I feel and how I engage with things. And I'm going to focus on how somebody else is like feeling and engaging. That's different, right? But I mean, I relate to what you were saying. I I had a period of my life where it was just all about a relationship. So it was like I was going, I wanted to go out every night. I went on every date I could go on. And the first sign that somebody was like, let's go on a second date. I was like, okay, good. How long can I keep you around? We'll get married and be together forever. (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. 
Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Yeah, and I feel like I like that idea of the fantasy of what someone could be and how I can like fit them into that. And so it's like, well, maybe this isn't great, but this fits in like, you know, it's like we can do a lot of different things to like fit fit our narrative. And one concept that you talk about, which I think is really interesting, is this idea of like green flags in relationships. And we hear so we all we hear is red flags. What red flags to avoid? What red flags should I look out for? Everything about red flags. Why do you think we focus so much on what we don't want in relationships instead of like teaching people how to look for what they do want in relationships? I think that part of it is that we're we're just used to and conditioned to talk about what we don't want something I talk to people a lot about trying to change, change the way they express themselves as general is to say what you do want. You know, we often say when we're upset about something, don't come home late anymore, or don't leave your shoes on the steps or don't X, Y, and Z. It's much more helpful to say, can you put your shoes in the closet? Or I really want you to get home on time. We don't do that though, right? We, we talk about what we don't want. And I think it's a natural way of thinking for some reason that we are like, okay, I know I don't want somebody who never texts me back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think people struggle though, to know what they do want. And I think that that comes from a lot of places. You know, if you're a people pleasing type of person, you might not really be sure of what you actually want or feel confident enough to say that you want something maybe your needs and your wants and your desires have been shut down. I think overall people struggle to say what they want. It doesn't feel good. The other thing I think we talk about red flags is because we've experienced them and they feel terrible. And so they're like easily relatable. Oh yeah. I've been with somebody who took a week to text me back to that is a red flag. Don't do it. It feels bad. So it's almost like these like warning signals And we want to respond to things that are scary. So if we're afraid of it, then we'll stay away from it. But I think that where that sets us up for failure is that 
if red flags were always super obvious, we wouldn't get into these situations. You know, the red flags are things that they happen in the midst of other things that are happening too, right? They happen after you had a great date and then all of a sudden the person goes missing, like totally a red flag. But when your head overheals, your hormones and your brain is going to start telling you, oh, but they told me on the date that they they have a surgery that they have to conduct tomorrow. Yeah. They're a doctor. They'll get back to me. And so red flags can help on the outside. But I think on the inside of a relationship, they're pretty hard to actually totally listen to. And they're glaringly obvious when you're not involved. Like it's uh, so when easy your to tell friends your friend. are watching, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, that's a red flag. But for me, no, that's not. It's totally yes. fine. I also feel like, like with the idea of like green flags are like what to look for in relationships. I think it's something that takes some like trial and error. And like, I'm trying to think of like a specific example for this. But I do think like society tells us that like certain relationships should be certain ways. The problem is like a lot of the things we're getting are like from movies or like the highlight reel of other people's social media. And, you know, I think a lot of adults have been through multiple relationships, but you know, some people haven't maybe one or two and like not necessarily a big enough scope to really know like what feels good to you. But for like example, I used to think that like my husband needed to like do this crazy grand gesture on certain (laughs) holidays. Like it's got to be big, bold, dramatic. Like I better wake up with like balloons, you know, like stuff like Uh that. (laughs) And I would find myself, we would get in fights so often on holidays until I finally realized like, is that important? No, it's honestly not that important to me. Like my love language is not gifts. Uh, Interesting. And, but like, I don't know if I would have known that. Like, I just feel like so much of the, like, what we really want in relationships takes some, like, digging and takes really, like, listening to our own gut and trusting ourselves to know what feels good to us. But, like, what a great relationship is to me versus, like, a good friend of mine is very different. So do you have, like, insights on how can someone start learning what their green flags are in relationships for them? Yeah, I like that you pointed out that everybody has different relationships. And so yeah. another thing about this kind of stuff is like we can latch on to it and then it makes us feel bad even when it doesn't need to. So for example, yeah. like if there's all these posts of people getting a bazillion Valentine balloons and like memes saying like if your man doesn't do this for you then like what's his problem? Yeah. Then you've started to decide that something's a red flag even though it isn't actually for you. Yeah. And I think the challenge here, and this is like such a therapist answer is there's so much nuance and that some of this is learn as you go. I think that TV and social media would love to have us all believe that there's some set of rules that I could tell you to prevent you from ever dating a bad person or having your heart broken or any of that. And Sadly, some of this is trial and error. Some of this is going into a relationship and thinking that you're red flag. I mean, I think we've all made the non-negotiable lists and then we go into the relationship and we're like, why did I put that it's a non-negotiable that they play video games? I love this person, but they play video games. (laughs) Yeah. So some of it's trial and error, right? Like we go in and one of the most important things is that you're continuing to touch in with yourself. A green flag in a relationship is often less to do about the other person's behavior. 
actually going back to your question, why do we talk about them? It's so much easier to point a finger. Mm. Green flags in relationships, when it comes down to something that I could say is across the board, is what's happening with you when you're in that relationship. Do you feel horrible all the time? Do you make excuses? If so, those are your red flags. Do you feel good? You know, the person didn't get you balloons, but like when you're drinking coffee, they're telling a funny joke and you're like loving, you're like, this feels great. I actually don't want those dumb balloons. I'm just gonna have to throw them in the trash. You feel good. That's a green flag. If when they mess up, you can bring something up to them and you're not fretting about it all day, that's a green flag. When they don't get back to you for five hours and it gives you no anxiety, it's a green flag. When they don't get back to you for hours and you're starting to freak out about it, it doesn't mean necessarily anything's wrong, but it means something is signaling to you. And so I think one of the most powerful things to pay attention to is, can I still be me? Can I still speak up for myself? And do I feel mostly good in this relationship? And those are things that you have to experience as it's happening often. You know, you go on that first date and you catch yourself making an excuse for why they were late. Get curious with yourself. Huh, that's a yellow flag. Why am I making that excuse? I'm going to still maybe give them a second chance, but if they're late next time, maybe that's something I don't like. Or they're late and you actually tell them, I don't like that. And you walk away feeling really good. That's a green flag if I can talk to somebody like this. So you're assessing with yourself in every single interaction, what's it like to be in this interaction? I love that. I love that so much. And can just for, you know, I know people will say like, how do I check in with myself? Like, are there mm -hmm. any techniques for someone who is maybe new to listening to their gut or like has really let like kind of other people dictate how they feel in relationships? Can you like maybe speak on how we can be more connected to ourselves and and listen to our, our own guts when that's new. Yes. So one thing that I suggest is doing it outside of relationships first. So mm. practicing setting boundaries with yourself is one of the, the biggest ways you can start to tune in with yourself more and doing this with your basic needs. So when we think about boundaries, we often think about other people, but boundaries have to do with us. And so for example, if you want to start tuning into you, Think about what do I need to get through the day? I'm supposed to drink water. I need to go to the bathroom. I need sleep and I need food. How do I navigate my life, making sure I get those needs met each day? And start checking in with yourself. If you are checking emails, even though you've had to pee for 45 minutes, then you're saying to yourself, oh, that's interesting. Why did I do this instead of taking care of myself and going to the bathroom? I'm going to have the limit right now. Close the laptop for a second. I'm going to go pee. You get to the end of your workday at 7 p.m. and you're starving. What was going on that you missed the cues that you needed to eat? And then what I actually suggest with those basic things is you start setting alarms and that you have an alarm that goes off every 30 minutes and you say, all right, what basic need do I need? Mm, and even if you're talking to a friend on the phone, and you're like, I actually am starving. I want you to then push yourself to the next step, which would be to say to the person that you're interacting with, hey, I just noticed I'm really hungry. 
I'm going to have to hop off this call. Or I noticed I'm really hungry. Give me a second while I make myself a sandwich. If you're in the middle of a work project, that alarm goes off. Do I need to pee? Do I need to drink water? Do I need to eat? Do I need to lay down? Do I need to like move really quickly? I think I need to move. Okay. I'm going to pause this project and I'm going to tell my colleague who's slacking with me, hey, I just realized my legs are asleep. I'll come right back, but I need to walk around. So you're practicing first noticing it with these alarms. And then second, you're practicing how you engage with the world. And then when you're in these dating experiences, it can become more in depth. It can become less about basic needs. Although honestly, people forget about their basic needs with dating all the time. They'll be like, I really need to sleep, but fine. I'll go to one more bar with you. Or I've been hungry for eight hours, but sure. If you want to like walk to one more store, I guess we can. <laughs> I'm like literally raising my hand. That was me, me all the time. to a T. Yeah. Oh my God. And it I would still be... do that with having to pee. I'm like, I got to finish this before I go. It's so bizarre to me, but oh I'm my glad God. To know I'm not, not alone in that. I'm still like that sometimes. Like there was yeah. one time in my pregnancy where I had to pee so bad. And then of course I like didn't want to disrupt what other people were doing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got to pee, but it's going to be okay. Like after we were at the boardwalk uh, at the beach and I was like, after like they do their ride da, da, da. and then people were like, let's get ice cream. And I was like, Okay, we can like get I didn't cream. account for that. Yeah. <laughs> so we get the ice cream and I have no shame telling this story. I literally just started peeing myself. And yeah. I was like I'm peeing myself on the boardwalk right now because I couldn't tell people you're going to need to hold on with the ice cream. I need to walk across the street to the bathroom. But we do this with people all the time and we especially do it when we want somebody to like us, right? We don't want to bother them. So we're like Sure, I'll do another burpee at the gym with you, even though I feel like I'm about to faint. And so being able to practice it with low risk people, a friend, family member, a colleague can help you when there's this higher emotional risk of being rejected. And then, of course, it can move into not just the basic needs, but maybe then you start to pay attention to emotional, which can be harder to tune into. But that might be where you're able to start to notice. And you say to yourself, I actually heard this from Dr. Alexandra Solomon. I really liked it. After every date, spend 10 minutes asking yourself how you feel and be really brutally honest. How do I feel right now? And it might be, I feel confused. Are they going to see me again? It's probably multiple. I feel really excited. I really liked them. And they left me with like a weird feeling because they weren't clear about whether they were going to call me. I feel frustrated. They were really rude. I feel a little like violated. They did something or said something that wasn't okay with me. I remember I had this date with somebody. He came over to my house. It was like a third date. We were going to watch a movie and I liked him, but I think I liked him for a lot of surface reasons, but I liked him, but he kept criticizing everything. He like criticized the show I was watching and there was maybe like skydivers in the show. And he was like, what kind of idiot skydives? And I was like, I've been skydiving before. You're like, this idiot. <laughs> I was like, it is idiotic, but like I did it. And he was yeah, like, oh. Like and then he was like, what's that smell? It stinks in here. And I was like, it's my roommate's food. Like her partner just like. <laughs> anyway, he was like such a jerk. But because I was obsessed with relationships, he left. And my roommate was like, he's a jerk. And I was like, 
I don't know. I think it's just his personality. But after she left the room, I took 10 minutes and I remember being like, okay, I do think he's handsome. There is something about like his avatar (laughs) that I like, but I felt embarrassed the entire time he was here. And so what do I want to do with that embarrassment? And I think when you can start to check in after the date and be honest, get a feelings wheel out if you need to, then you can start to identify a little bit more also what's going on. Well, I just, you know, I I love when this happens. When I started, like before this interview, I, you know, I just thought we were going to get more into like, what are some like green flags within relationships? But you simplify it so well. Like, do you feel safe to be yourself? What were your other questions that you had? But it's like, it literally could apply to anything. Yeah. Like, do you feel safe being yourself? Can you ask for what you need? Can you get feedback? Giving feedback is huge. Like, can you say to the person, hey, I'm actually thinking back when I first met my husband, he had so many green flags because of how I felt. Again, not about him. And I remember one time he came in. And it was like early on, I had made food and he was being real grumpy. Here's the food issue again. (laughs) He was being really grouchy and like, it was totally work related. But I remember saying to him, you know, it kind of feels like a bummer that I just like cooked this food. I had started being more confident. And I said, I just made all of this. I put on fun music. I get you're having a hard day, but like, it does not feel good to have you walk in this way. And he responded to my feedback by being like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's really rude of me. I'm actually going to just go upstairs, go to the bathroom, and I'm just going to reset. And so what does it feel like when you're giving somebody feedback? That's really important too. I didn't like it last night when you were drinking, like we went out and we were partying and you got super drunk and you were really rude to my friends. Then being rude to your friends actually isn't necessarily a green red flag all of the time. It might be. But how do they respond to that? If they're like, oh, everybody was drinking. Who cares? You're being dramatic. Or if they're like, oh my gosh, do you want me to apologize? I'm going to apologize. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed. I, next time when we go out, I'm not drinking. I'm going to have one glass and that's it. So that piece I think is very important. And it's not even about them. It's about how you felt after. Like you can leave that feeling like, oh, okay. (laughs) I can tell people what I think. And they hear it and they do something about it. And that feels really good. Yeah. If you're walking away and you're like, set, I mean, I've been in relationships where I've brought up feedback and like, I walk away feeling like I did something bad. And I'm like, wait oh, a second. Well, exactly. <laughs> a That's second. a good I, example. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the whole term of gaslighting, which I wish I knew like 10 years ago that that was a thing. But yeah, I think that idea of being able to to bring stuff up, to give feedback. Do you feel energized around that person? I love like, you know, in a relationship when I feel like expanded where it's like, I feel like excited to like, like watch a new show or like, I don't know, like just where you feel like excited. They add to your life. They They add add to your life. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's like a big green flag. So my last question is for those that are listening and they're like, shit, I really messed up in that last relationship. I did not do any of those things. How do you suggest that like when someone's learning from their last relationship in preparation for another relationship, how do they do it in a way that's not just like the could have, should haves? Like, oh, I wish I like, you know, get so stuck in that instead of taking it like very constructively and in like a positive way instead of a beating themselves up kind of way. 
Yeah. So first of all, I think the self-compassion break by Kristen Neff is so important. Being able to say that was really hard for me. I struggled. I wasn't engaging the way I wish I would have. And that's all true. And this is very human. How could I have? I think that the question of like, how could I have, or the statement of, of course. So for example, how could I have known how to act in a relationship? I never was in one before, or how could I have known the only relationships I've ever been in have been abusive? Or how could I have known because I've only been in healthy relationships. And like that really threw me off because it's the first time I've experienced somebody like that. Or of course, of course it was hard. Like I was dating a person I didn't know yet. And I really liked them. And I had never practiced boundaries. So of course it was hard. So I think when people can say to themselves, of course, one thing I always say to people is why, why are you putting yourself to such high standards with being able to operate in relationships? You don't do that anywhere else in your life. People go to school to be trained in something because you can't just say, oh, one day I want to be a paleontologist and like tomorrow know how to go dig up dinosaur bones. If you went and did it tomorrow, you would break a few. You would probably get dehydrated in the sun. Like all of that stuff would happen. And then you'd leave and you'd be like, of course I broke the dinosaur bones while I was trying to be yeah. a paleontologist. I've never done it before. I, I don't have enough training. And so thinking about it as this is like anything else in life, I learn I observe and I try it differently the next time to see if it's better for me. And like anything else in life, if I associate it with shame, it's not actually going to get better. Yeah. Because I'm just going to say, oh my God, I'm so ashamed and embarrassed and I can't do anything about it. But if I associate it with growth and with a growth mindset of, of course, I was a different person. I have something new about me now. I've grown, I've learned. That's when you can actually start to shift things. And you won't shift it fully. You'll still mess up. You'll still, I, I am married in a very happy relationship. And there are still moments where I pee myself on the boardwalk because yeah. I don't want to bother my husband. Yeah. So also giving yourself permission to be like a work in progress in relationships, I think is important. I love that, of course. Yeah, I love those techniques. And I always tell people like you can't like judge your past self on like your current knowledge, you know, like that's just it's not a fair judging rubric to look at. Like we can't grade ourselves from like fourth grade with like ninth grade knowledge. It's like, yes, we'll, we'll exactly. always lose. <laughs> You'll always lose. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, not fourth grade behavior with like adult knowledge. Like we yeah. all go back like, why did I say that weird thing when I was 10? And it's like, of course, course you of did. course you, you did. You were 10 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. Well, this has been very valuable for me in a relationship. This is very, I learned so much from, from this interview. Do you have any like programs or can you talk about like how people can connect with you or work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a book, it's called, I want this to work where I talk about lots of different relationship tools and insights and things just to help you to actually put into practice in your relationships. And it's available everywhere books are sold. I also, it, sorry, yeah. it was actually brought up in my membership group. We did a, really? like a Q&A the other day and someone brought up that book. So yeah. Hooray. That's yeah. exciting. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that's one place that you can work with me. I own a therapy practice that's across the East coast where a lot of people that have been trained by me, they are therapists and they're wonderful. It's called a better life therapy. And you can find everything that I do at elizabethearnshaw.com. And that's where you can find like my Instagram, the articles I write, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, those are a bunch of ways that you can connect with me. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. And I hope everyone checks out your stuff. We'll put all the links in the show notes. But thank you so much again for your time. This was very, very, very helpful. Thank you so much. It was so fun to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.